scripture reading is uh, Psalm 133 uh, from 1 to 3. Psalm 133. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard. On the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Amen. It's good to be back at Hillside, visit you guys here. Those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm the lay pastor at the Itaewon Church. Uh, I've been a member here since January 1st of 2006. Uh, I've been attending that long. And uh, in April, we were commissioned to go to Itaewon at King Bar, and so that's where I've been sent uh, since. I was here in August, and I spoke when some of the mission teams were away, but I see a lot of new faces. And uh, just want to welcome you to the church. Glad you guys are here. And uh, today marks the fifth sermon for the core values of our church. And uh, today is the anointing flows from the top down. And Pastor Christian requested that uh, I go ahead and step in for today as he preached last night at joint prayer meeting. So I'm going to go ahead and take this as best as I can. The anointing that flows from the top down is actually a message that I preached upon in March. Uh, if you guys were here, you may remember the, the title of that sermon was A Most Important Lesson. And I really emphasized submission to authority and humility. And uh, I'm going to briefly rehash some of what I preached in that message, but uh, I'm going to go kind of a different route this time around. So if submission to authority, and I'm not just talking about with your pastor or with people in the church, but with your, your leaders, with your bosses, with your parents, if this is an issue for you, if you struggle with, with submitting to them, with honoring them, I really want to encourage you to download that podcast, A Most Important Lesson. Uh, I preached about that in March. So like I said, while preparing this sermon, uh, I felt God leading me in kind of a little new direction in regards to this. At least it was new for me, and uh, I pray that it will be new for you guys as well. Some fresh bread in the house of the Lord today. So if you, if you want something fresh, something new today, just repeat after me. I want something new. Amen. Amen. Well, let's get right into it. First question you need to ask regarding the value, the anointing flows from the top down is, what is the anointing? What exactly is the anointing? Now, the anointing of God is his presence given to us to fulfill his purposes, his calls. The word anointing means to smear, to rub into, to pour out. When Moses anointed Aaron in the Bible, it wasn't a little dab like what we like, what we like to do here. He poured it out. It ran upon him, as you guys just read in Psalm 133. It was on the top of his head and went all over his body. That is the anointing. God consumes us, and it is for a specific purpose. You see, Isaiah 61.1, the, the vision of our church, reads, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to... 
Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to those who are bound. See, we don't receive the Holy Spirit just so that we can enjoy his presence, just so that we feel good, just so that we can laugh or cry or, or whatever comes along with the Spirit. We receive his anointing for a purpose. We each have a calling over our lives, but if we lack the anointing, then we lose our purpose in life and we're unable to fulfill that call. This is very important. We need his anointing. And if we are walking in obedience to him, if we are walking in intimacy with him and honoring him and honoring those around us, his anointing is with us and his plans for our lives will be fulfilled and we will be alive in his presence. But the moment we allow disobedience in, the moment we start to rebel, his anointing begins to ebb away. It begins to disappear. We must walk with the Lord. And in the Bible, King Saul, he was anointed by Samuel to be the king over Israel. And it says in the scripture, the spirit of the Lord of God came upon him, anointed him. And Saul did amazing things. He was a great king early on. He was able to lead the Israelites in many battles, win many wars, able to show mercy to different people who had rebelled against him. He was doing a great job. But soon pride, fear, disobedience started to take root within him. And he was rebuked. He was rebuked again, and he was rejected as king. And so what happened was Samuel was sent by God to go and anoint the next king over Israel, and it was David. And I'm going to read this scripture, and you're going to see just how important the anointing is. In 1 Samuel 16, 13 through 14, it says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. You see, that anointing for kingship, that mantle that was upon Saul, because of his disobedience, because he was not walking with the Lord, left him. Okay, it, it left away. Now, the gifting and call of the Lord, that's irrevocable. The call that's on your life is going to be on your life until the day you die. But it's your choice whether you walk in obedience with his spirit. It's your choice whether you walk under his anointing or not. And it's only by the anointing are you going to fulfill the purposes that he has for your life. The anointing gives you a sense of purpose in your life. When you're not walking with the anointing, you don't know what, what you're doing. You start to become just distant and, and discouraged. But when the Spirit of God is upon you, you have a purpose. You know what you need to do. I want you guys to, to know the difference between gifting and anointing. Everyone here is gifted. God has given us each different gifts. And uh, I'm not just talking about spiritual gifts. I'm talking about physical, physical gifts as well. But there's a great difference between someone who's gifted and someone who is gifted and anointed. See, there are a lot of people in the church who are gifted musicians, very gifted musicians and singers. And I'm talking about the church worldwide. But sadly, there, there are not many anointed, gifted musicians and singers. And there's a big difference. You see, when someone's gifted and they get up and they lead worship, it's technically sound. It sounds great. It's crisp. It's right on tone, on pitch and rhythm. And it's great. And you sing those songs just like the pop stars sing them. It's perfect. It sounds great. But not so much is happening in the spirit. But when you get someone walking under the anointing, walking in obedience with God, and they know what they're called to do, and they're called to lead you into worship, that's exactly what happens. Suddenly you find yourself in the throne of God. You find yourself before his presence. And uh, just a great example of this is our brother Kevin Yu. Maybe some of you guys remember him. But uh, he used to lead worship here. 
And uh, he would play the piano, but when we went to Myanmar last year, I told him, you need to learn the guitar uh, because you got to lead worship when we're in Myanmar. So he had one month, and uh, he worked on it, and uh, it didn't sound that good, uh, to be honest. Um, but we went to Myanmar anyway. I was like, you just do it. And uh, he led. And again, it, it didn't sound that great. Uh, he wasn't that gifted yet. He's very gifted musically, but it was a new instrument. But I want to tell you, the anointing was flowing from Kevin. And we were at this one Bible college, and uh, we were praying for these, these students, and they were getting wiped out. They were on the ground crying and just, just all messed up. And Kevin would just get down with his guitar and his strumming, and it's, just, it's not sounding great to strum, but he'd be singing, and the anointing would be so strong that these girls would just sit, like crying as God was ministering deep into their hearts. They couldn't even understand a word he was saying. They didn't speak English, but the anointing was so strong that the yoke on their lives was being broken off. That's the difference. We have to have the anointing. We have to treasure His presence. You can be as gifted as you want. You can know your calling as as well as possible. But if you don't have the anointing, you'll never fulfill it. It will never be fully used by God. The anointing enables us to do what the Lord has called us to do. What I love in 1 Samuel 3.19, it says, Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. 1 Samuel 3.19. When you're walking in the anointing, your words matter. They carry heaviness. They carry the glory of God. They convict hearts. They change lives. No longer are you just praying the same prayers every day, day in and day out, and seeing nothing change. Now you're moving in the Spirit of God. Now you're seeing the the broken healed, those in prison set free, those who are sick healed as well. That's the power of the anointing. So how do we receive and walk in this anointing of God? How do we walk in His presence? I think it's pretty obvious to you guys. You need to be praying. You need to be spending time with the Lord. When you open the Bible, you don't want to just read it as a book, but you want to ask the God, the the God who gives you revelation, for that revelation. Say, Spirit of God, I pray that you reveal to me what you want to speak to me today as I read your word. And you need to get into His word. You need to get to know His heart, His character, who He is. You need to pray to Him, praise Him. Love on Him. Get in His presence. The more you're in His presence, the more He's going to be upon you. But that's not just it. It's not just your personal walk. It's also community. And that's what I want to preach about today. So I want you guys to open up your Bible to Psalm 133. And uh, you can put it back up there as well. We're going to look at this, what it means for the anointing to flow. This is my first time preaching, holding the mic. I always have it like this. And I like grip, but uh, I'm, trying, I'm trying this today. I need to get a little more loose, but uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Psalm 133, 1 through 3. says this, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. That precious oil in the psalm symbolizes the anointing. And God uses many symbols in the Bible for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, for His presence in our lives. You can see wind and fire and water and even a dove. God uses these to express what the anointing is. For here it's the oil. And we see it flowing from the top of Aaron's head. And Aaron was the high priest He was a symbol of Jesus Christ. What you need to know is that the anointing starts at the top. Jesus is the head of the church. The anointing flows from him. And it comes down upon the beard. 
You guys know that the beard isn't just one hair. Many hairs makes up the body of Christ. All of us flows down upon us onto his robes, onto the works, onto his purposes for his people. And what is the context of this chapter? What causes that anointing to flow? Look at verse 1. It says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. And I want to tell you that the basis of the flow of the anointing, it's not just unity, but what causes that unity? It's honor. Honor releases the flow of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Honor. Thank you. Go ahead, put up that picture of the waterfall, John. I want you guys to look at this picture of this waterfall. Okay, and at the top, it's the Father. It's Jesus Christ. It's God pouring out His Spirit. It's the Father who sends forth His Spirit. So it's the Father sending forth that torrent of water. He pours it out. He is the top. He is the head. He is in control. And at the bottom, as you look at just that water that's rushing, that's flowing in that stream, that represents the purposes and the calls of the anointing. Why it is poured out? It's to go to this dry and hurting world. It's to go and to minister to the broken, to those who are captives, to those who need His light. But what does the waterfall symbolize? It's us. I hope that's obvious. It's us. And I want to tell you guys that you're not just one lone trickle of water on your own little waterfall, but we are together a mighty torrent, a mighty torrent of God's Holy Spirit. And as you look at that waterfall, I just want you to imagine yourself somewhere in that waterfall, because that's where you are. You're somewhere in that waterfall. And water is being poured upon you from above from the Father and from those who are above you and authority in your life. The anointing is flowing into your life. But it's not just flowing into you. It should be flowing through you to those who are below you. You see, honor is not just for your authorities. Honor is for all. Honor is for those who are under you as well. So this is what I want to preach about today. How do we receive that anointing? How can we be a channel that not just receives that full torrent of that waterfall, but how can we also release it into the lives around us? How do we allow the anointing to flow? And I want to tell you guys, it is God's desire that you receive fully that anointing from above, that you don't close up to the authorities above you, that you don't block that anointing, but you get every little bit of it. And it is God's desire for you to be an influence in society. It is His desire for you to also pour out into the broken, to pour out into those He has given you influence over. And I'm not just talking about in the church. I'm talking about those you teach, those in your family, whoever he has given you influence to. And it is also God's desire for you to move up in that waterfall. It is God's desire that you don't just have an influence of five people the rest of your life. It's his desire to reach this broken world. And he's calling all of us to move up. So I'm going to start first with honor flows from the top down. And I'm sorry, the anointing flows from the top down. And how are we to honor our leaders? How are we to conduct ourselves? I want you to open your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 13 through 19. 1 Peter. It's after Hebrews, after James. In the New Testament. We're going to stay in 1 Peter today. So you guys can just keep it open. First Peter chapter 2, I'm going to start at verse 13 and read all the way through verse 19. Pay attention to these commands here. It says this, Be subject for the Lord's sake 
to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. It's God's command for us to honor those around us. It is God's command for us to honor everyone. But he emphasizes here as well the leaders, those he has put above us. And again, this is not just your pastor. These are not just leaders in the church, but also the president of your nation, the government that God has put over you, your boss at work, even your parents, especially your parents. We are to show honor to. We are to bless. And what is to honor? Some people think of honor as just giving, you know, a claim to someone who does a good job. That is not what honor is. Honor is showing respect, showing esteem, no matter what. You see, if you live by a code of honor, it's not going to matter how other people treat you. You're going to treat them the same, no matter what. It's not going to matter how, how they love you. You're going to love them the same because you honor them. Because you see them in the image of God. You see them as true sons and daughters of God. No matter how disobedient or how different they're acting, it doesn't matter. Because you live by honor. You live by love. And you don't let their emotions control your emotions. You don't let how they conduct themselves affect how you conduct yourselves. You live by honor. You see, Joseph, David, Daniel, they live by the code of honor. They had oppressors rule over them. Joseph was in prison. Daniel, he had to, to serve the emperor who had, who had killed his family who had taken captive his people. David had to serve a man who tried to murder him multiple times. David, Daniel, Joseph showed honor through it all. They didn't allow their attitude to change. David didn't say, you know, Saul, you were a great king before, and I really loved you, but now that you're trying to kill me, uh, I don't like you anymore, and I'm not going to show love or honor to you. No. He showed honor in everything. And you see that God blessed these men. Some of the most honored men in the Bible, David, Daniel, Joseph. It was because they honored those around them, especially their authorities. So how are you able to develop honor in your life? I want to tell you guys, it first starts with prayer. Praying for those who are around you. And I'm not just talking about your leaders, but those under you as well. Because why? When you pray, you begin to see people as God sees them. And if you're not praying that way, you need to make that your prayer. God, help me see this person as you see them. Because when you pray for even like North Korea, it's just going to be very numb if you're not seeing North Korea as God sees it. But if you see through the eyes of compassion, if you see through the eyes of love, you're going to be filled with passion. You're going to be filled with strength, and you're going to cry out, and you're going to honor. You're going to bless. So you need to always be blessing those around you. And I want to tell you guys, if, if someone upsets you, if suddenly someone you know, disrespects you, you need to be praying for them and blessing them. You need to be praising God for them. Because every person is worthy of praise because every person is made in the image of God. Give God glory. Release that poison. Forgive them and bless them. Let honor grow in your life. And then you need to follow the instruction of Peter and do good. Do good to those who are around you, especially your leaders. And I know this is really hard for some of you because there's certain people in your life that you really love. 
you really like, and it's easy to do good to them. But there are certain people, they have character flaws. They just don't get along with them that well. You just don't like them. You'd rather leave the room when they're around. You'd rather just turn away. You'd rather have conversation with someone else. But I want to tell you, if you have love like that, your love is false. It's fickle. It's not true love. It's a love based on works, not based on grace. And if you're going to hold other people to that standard that they have to act in a certain way for you to honor them, God's going to hold you to that standard. You reap what you sow. That's a strong word, guys. You see, just as you hold unforgiveness from people, that blocks the grace of God in your life. This is clear scripture. Just read the Lord's Prayer in the two verses that follow. If you don't forgive others, you block God's forgiveness from your life. You're unable to receive His full grace and mercy. It's the same way with honor. If you hold people to a standard that I'm only going to love them, I'm only going to honor them, if, if they treat me this way, then God's only going to show you favor and love if you, if you act in a certain way. And none of us are perfect. We're going to restrict the favor and the blessing that God has for our life. We're going to block off that anointing that God wants to pour out upon us. We must honor those who are around us. We must show true love. If you need biblical examples of the dangers of not showing honor, just read the book of Numbers. You don't have to read the first eight chapters. Just start right after that. And you will get into all these stories about submission to authority. All these stories. And it's, it's scary as you read it. Miriam, Aaron. Aaron's a great high priest. Miriam, they're, they're both siblings of Moses. And they start to gossip about Moses. Start talking about him behind, behind Moses' back. God rebukes them to their face inflicts leprosy upon Miriam. It's not until Moses cries out for mercy and for healing that he says, okay, only seven days. Seven days of leprosy and shame. That's how strong this is, that God expects us to honor our authorities. It wasn't as easy for the sons of Korah. A couple chapters later, they start to rebel against Moses and Aaron, and they say, no, the anointing's the same for everybody. We're just as anointed as you. We don't need to honor you like this. You guys have gone too far. You're filled with pride, Moses and Aaron. You know what God did? Opened up the earth and swallowed them alive. That's pretty harsh. Pretty strong. Israelites, the spies go. And they come back. The ten give a bad report. They say, Moses and Aaron, Joshua, Caleb, these guys are just a bunch of quacks. Don't listen to them. This is just no good. Don't honor them. We We know what's best. We know what's best. We know what we're doing. And God said, okay, you don't get the promised land. You don't get what I originally called you to receive. I'm, re- I'm removing my blessing from you. It will be your children that will receive it. Guys, we need the anointing to fulfill God's call in our life. But if we show dishonor, if we show disrespect, I'm not just talking about submission. I'm talking about honor. I'm not just talking about saying, okay, fine, I'll do it. I'm talking about blessing, honoring. Jesus came to be servant of all. Having that heart, that releases the anointing into our lives so that we can receive, so that we can know who we are and we can walk in that true calling that he has for our lives. But it doesn't just stop there. It's not just us receiving the anointing, receiving the anointing, receiving the anointing. We're called to give as well. And we're not just called to give, we're commanded to give. And there's strong warning for this as well. Turn your Bible one page, 1 Peter 3. I was going to preach from this whole passage on husbands and wives, but I thought it would throw you guys off. So I'm just going to emphasize verse 7. But this is all about submission to authority, honor, and blessing one another both for the wives and for the husbands. We're going to emphasize the husbands here. 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. 
It's a strong word. God created the man to be the head of the family. And like I said, if you read verses 1 through 6, you will see how God commands the wife to submit, to honor her husband, to follow. And I'm not just talking about marriage here, but this also relates to the church. This relates to any place where there is authority, where someone is ahead over someone else. There needs to be submission to authority, but there also needs to be honor. And you see that Greek word for hinder? It also means cut off, impede, prevent, block. And what we need to know is if we're not showing honor to those who are under us, even to little children, if we are not showing honor, our prayers are being hindered. They're being cut off, impeded, blocked. It is critical for us to release what God has given to us. It is critical for us to obey the calling on our lives. You see, whenever you are in a place of authority, it is your responsibility to let the anointing flow. It is your responsibility to care for those under you, lest Satan come in and take them. As you guys know, I serve at a children's home, at least most of you guys know. I serve at an orphanage during the week. I've been doing that ever since uh, I came out here to Korea. Uh, and I teach basketball every Tuesday night to about 10 junior high and high school boys from my home. I love it. We have a lot of fun having these practices. But every now and then, these boys, they got different backgrounds, different scars, different issues. They'll come in with just something wrong in their spirit. Just something's off. And uh, if I'm not... If I'm not aware, if I'm oblivious, I'll miss it. And soon that wrong spirit that they bring into that practice starts to inflict, inflict the other people around them. It starts to affect all of us. And soon I'm getting frustrated. Soon I'm getting angry. Soon I'm getting short-tempered. And I realize, what have I done? I've let that spirit take authority. I've let that spirit take control. And God's convicted me that everywhere I go, I need to take authority. And that as the coach of this team, God has given me that authority and that right to lead the atmosphere to allow what, what can happen in that place. And so what I do now in every practice is I make, make sure to show honor to my boys, to love them and encourage them, to bless them. And so when they come with that wrong spirit, I just, I just smile and I love on them and I take care of them. And I'm telling you guys, so often that wrong spirit just immediately goes away and they have a wonderful time. Now and then, only now and then do I have to discipline. You see, if, if I didn't know the conduct of honor, I would just be disciplining all the time. But you know what often happens when you discipline right away is that wrong spirit that they're operating under starts to affect you. And you start to, to react. You start to get all angry and, and start to get out of control. But I realize that honor pacifies. Honor releases peace. Honor releases comfort. And I want to tell you guys, wherever you go, you have the anointing of God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So if you're in your classroom, if you're in your home with your family, I don't care where you are, you need to exercise that authority and that anointing upon you. Because if you don't, Satan's going to come in, just like he did with Eve, while Adam just stood by. You must exercise that authority. Honor and leadership opens the heavens. Dissension, dishonor, closes the heavens. So I want to ask you guys, this is often a concern that comes up in the church, especially nowadays as there's so much controversy in the church, is what happens if my leader in the church is restricting the flow of the anointing? What happens if, if you know, something's going on and, and people aren't getting blessed so much? Well, Ezekiel 34 is, is very clear that God will punish the shepherds who do not release the anointing upon the sheep. Uh, it's, it's a harsh chapter. If you read it, it's scary. It'll make you think twice about becoming a leader. But I want to tell you guys, if you hear that and that gives you a, just some comfort and peace, oh gosh, if it gives you joy, you really need to rethink. Because to become a leader is a difficult task. 
The enemy attacks from the top. He knows if he can cut off from the top, then those below can't receive. And so leaders need your prayers. Leaders need your grace. Leaders need your love. You have to be operating a spirit of honor for God to prevail in your church. I'll tell you, there, there may be times when, when you will need to confront or speak to someone. But for your spiritual fathers, there needs to be a, a level of honor that is shown. Leviticus 17.32 says, Raise in the presence of the aged. Show honor to the elderly. You see, if, if someone's high up in, in terms of that waterfall, it shouldn't be your expectation that I can just go to them and confront them. Example of this is, if you worked for Apple, I'm using this because of Pastor Christian. If you worked for Apple and Steve Jobs did something that just you didn't agree with, or you didn't like, would, you, would it be in your right as an employee of Apple to go to the headquarters, to go up to the executive offices and to confront Steve Jobs, speak to him face-to-face, say, look, you did this wrong. Look, we got to fix this. No way. You'd be fired like that. You wouldn't have a chance. You're not on the board of trustees. You're not in that sphere of influence. That's not what's expected of you. And what we need to understand in the church is we have to show honor. And as it goes up, We just need to bless. Pastor Benjamin Robinson shared this word that really blessed me. He said, true sons don't uncover their father's nakedness. Rather, they cover over without looking. Think of Noah. Okay? Noah got drunk. One of his sons came in and saw his nakedness and told his brothers, gossiped. Spread a word. But his other brother, Noah's other sons came in and they covered over his nakedness without looking. They showed grace. They showed love. They showed honor. And you know what? That son that gossiped was cursed. This is harsh words, guys. It was cursed. The other two sons were blessed. So it should be in the church. You see, in the Bible, when kings needed to be rebuked, never was it some just commoner or some person in the kingdom that came and rebuked them. That only happened once. First Samuel 16, a guy named Shemai. He rebuked King David. Shemai was later executed. Okay? Uh, it, when God needed to correct a leader, he would send a prophet. And the prophet would have a clear word, and he would speak it in honor and in love. God's in control. He's at the top. And if you think, oh, it's, it's my duty to confront my leader, oh, i, I got to go attack them, you're not exercising faith. You're not trusting in God. That he is at the top, and that the, the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord. That he directs it like a water course wherever he pleases. And that it's your duty to honor your leader, to bless them, and to love them to care for them, and to trust in your prayers, that your prayers are powerful and effective. And God will bless your leader. God will lead them in the right. I want to tell you guys, and this is not just for the top, but for the bottom, to ever correct or confront someone, it needs to hurt. Correcting and confronting needs to hurt. It needs to hurt the person doing the correcting, doing the confronting. If it doesn't hurt, you better not do it. You better just keep your mouth shut. This is so true. At my home, with my kids, when, when they start getting a wrong attitude, there's a reason why you have time out. There's a reason why you say you go to your room. There's a reason why you say, talk to me after class. Because if I talk to them right away, I, I'm going to start talking out of my own anger. I'm going to start talking out of my own defense for myself. I need, I need some time for myself to give it to the Lord. And whenever I discipline a child at my home, if they're, if they're messing up in class and it's just getting too far, I'll say, okay, you need to leave. And we'll talk later. And I don't just let it go either. First, I pray about it. I pray and I, I give it to the Lord and I bless that child. And I let go of old poison. I forgive that child ahead of time. 
and I bless that child. And then I go and I confront that child in love. And when I speak to that child, I make sure that they understand that I love them no matter what. And that I'm speaking this out of love and out of grace. And the reason why it hurts is because that relationship was hurt. And because I care about this child so much, I don't want them to walk in this any longer. Understand that whenever you need to confront someone, it has to be done out of love and it has to hurt you. So if that spirit's not within you, you need to wait. You need to pray. And God will open the door. I'll tell you guys, there's been so many times when, when I've served in, in different churches, different fellowships. I want to confront my leaders. And I'll get all worked up about something and I'll pray. And God will say, be quiet. Bless, bless your leader. Trust in me. And I'll do it. And I'll start to honor. And I'll just submit. And God takes care of it. God is good. God is love. He's in control. He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of the church. He's going to take care of your leaders. He loves us. We're on his side. We're on the side of love. 1 Timothy 5.17 says, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. I want to challenge you guys, especially if you're visitors here today, but for all of you, honor your leaders. Honor your pastor. Honor those who are ahead of you. They are worthy of double honor. Bless them. So in closing, uh, I want to emphasize for you guys, it's not just receiving the anointing. It's not just giving the anointing. God also wants you to move up on that waterfall. He wants you to move up, not just for your, not for your own glory, but for the kingdom's sake. For all those who are in at that bottom who are dry and who are needy and need the blessing of God. And how do you rise up in that waterfall? Yes, it's by showing honor to your leaders. It's by showing honor to those who are under you. And it's especially by being faithful in the small things. There was a reason why Pastor Christian preached that last week. I really believe it. Because as you are faithful in the small things, just like Joseph, just like David, just like Daniel, God will lift you up in time. As you walk in that code of honor, as you say, I'm going to love no matter how they love me. I'm going to honor them no matter how they honor me. As you walk in that spirit of obedience, God's going to lift you up and God's going to bless you. And you're not going to be doing it for your own selfishness, but you're going to understand that love for your leaders and it's going to release that love to those under you. You're going to bless them. So I charge you, church, show honor both to your leaders and to those you are leading. Treat one another as true sons and daughters of God, worthy of respect. Don't allow the actions of another person affect the way you love. You're too good for that. Show honor no matter what. Let the anointing flow through your life. Let me pray. God, we just exalt you, Lord, and we thank you for your presence, Lord God. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. Lord God, in your presence, God, you reveal, Lord God, the reason that we're here. You reveal, Lord God, and you not just reveal, but you give us the strength. You give us the power, Lord God, to do what you've called us to do. That there is nothing too great for us, Lord God. There is no wall, Lord God, Father, that can block us, Lord. There is no army, Lord God, Father, that can hold us back because you are with us, God. And by your anointing, Lord God, we can break through anything, God. We can scale the highest wall. So, Lord, I just pray, Lord God, Father, for each and every one of us that you release just that culture of honor in our church, in every heart, God, that you may enable us, Lord God, to honor our leaders and to honor those that we lead. God, I pray for every teacher here, Lord, that you enable us to honor, Lord God, their bosses, God, and that you enable us, Lord God, to honor our children as well and to feed into them, Lord, to be intentional in the way that we love, Lord God, because you've given us the anointing to pour out, Lord. And God, may we not be oblivious, Lord. May we not, Lord, be ignorant or apathetic, God, but may we be aware 
May we take authority everywhere we go, Lord. And may we bless, may we love, may we heal, may we do what you've called us to do. We love you, God. We thank you, Lord, for the leaders you set above us, God. We thank you, Lord, for those you have put in our life, Lord, to teach us honor, to teach us your servant's heart. And we thank you for those you've given us influence to, to fulfill the Great Commission, to make disciples, God. We thank you, Lord God, that even if we don't feel we have influence now, that you will give it to us, Lord, because that is our call, to love others, to make disciples, Lord, to pour out your spirit in this dry world. So bless your church, God. We thank you, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.